Today's Wednesday. It is 9-9-2020. Uh, We're ready to begin our worship service. Let's have a word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for this time we have this evening. We pray for wisdom as we open up your word. And we pray that uh, the spirit of truth will continue to lead and guide us into all truth. We pray for those who have uh, joined the Bible study, those who may still join or hear under the sound of our voice. And we pray that we may grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. All right. So just we. Just a quick, quick story. Mm -hmm. Well, let me just let. Uh, hold on. So we're studying in the book of Romans. We are in Romans chapter 8, and hopefully we'll start looking at verse 22 today. But uh, we have a moment for some QA. Go right ahead, Bill. Yeah, I was just going to say I was around some family members. Uh, that was Labor Day. And. Um, so they were talking about um, getting their DNA and uh, tracing their ancestral. What, what's the name of that company that does that? Oh, there's a couple of them. 23andMe. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they said, well, we, we want you to, to, to give some DNA and let's, let's see your roots and whatnot. So I told him, I said, listen, I'm a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. There ain't no DNA on that. <laughs> um, Nothing at that. Oh, so you, you're not giving yours? No. <laughs> okay. Because my, my, my home is in heaven. <laughs> my, that's where my roots are. Mm-hmm. True, true. Yeah. So are they going to do it or? Well, my aunt did it, and that, that's what started it. Cause she she did it and came back with some uh, Indian blood, Caucasian blood, black blood, all these different things. But what part of Africa what did, was her black heritage from? You know, I didn't even get into all of that. I, I just don't understand like what. What difference does it make at this point? Well, I mean, I won't say that I have no interest in it at all. I've, I think I've taken a lot of time to study as far back as... It, it's good to know who your ancestors are. And, you know, whoever... Even in the Bible we have so-and-so begat so-and-so and so-and-so -so begat so-and-so. It talks about these are generations of people that uh, existed. And obviously it's important for the Bible because Jesus came all the way back from to Adam. We can trace Jesus as the seed of the woman. But I think it's interesting as well as far as knowing who we are, where we came from in this world. And I mean, we, we can go back as, on our side well, there's four, we have four grandparents, uh, but I can't tell you all the detail, but there is a lot of detail on some of them, and it's quite interesting to see who so-and-so was, and this and that, and the people who came here before you, and all that. I think it's, there's some interest in, I have in that, but um, I have not taken one of those uh, 
or, or felt the need to to want to take one of those things. Uh, so, yeah, I, I guess it's interesting if you have the time and it's something you like to do. But if you can't persuade or get the relatives that you do know to follow in truth, what's the sense of getting more of them? You haven't even conquered the ones that you do know to follow truth. Well, there's always people have a choice, so, but many times you can't change history; you can only know about it. Uh, so it's not. I don't think for me it's a matter of uh, persuading all my relatives, but we do have to take a stand in that uh, they need to know where we're coming from, where we what we stand for, who we are. Other than that, I mean, you know, we can't. We know that everybody is not going to uh, believe in in the way of truth because this, even Jesus said, only few there be that find it. And, it, and it's not even about the relatives so much. He says, if father and mother, or sister and brother uh, don't agree, it doesn't matter, you know. And see, when the when Jesus came, he split families apart. Because he was Jewish, but he he went he had a new way of thinking about things. And the Jewish nation who crucified Christ, uh, there was great trouble, even with uh, putting him. You will be put out of the synagogue if you followed the way of Christ. So there was a lot of upheaval, and that's what he means. He didn't come to send peace on earth. He he came as to send a sword. He became. He came to divide a mother against a father-in-law, and so forth and so on. He says, and those things are so, you know. And when it comes to Christianity, some people will be divided in our families, in your families as, as well. They will say, "No, I'm not going that way." But we stand for Christ. We believe He is the Savior of the world, and we understand all the work that He did. To do that, so to me, that's and it's undeniable when I look at the supernatural nature of how God delivered the word and confirmed that Jesus is the Christ, Son of the Living God. I think it's undeniable, not something to be uh, well for pe for people to think about it. Well, they they have that option to think about it, but for me, I've thought about it, and uh, I'd say. The Bible is clear. God's works have been clear in the world. And the Holy Spirit of truth is continuing to resonate in my thinking about the truth of this. So, anyway, hope, interesting thought, though. Has anyone else had a chance to do the uh, genetic testing? Yeah, so I don't think there's a whole lot of interest here either. I have not, uh, yeah, I have not, uh, Doug. But what I uh, what I what I hear, uh, you know, Bill had an opportunity uh, to proclaim clearly, in case they didn't know um, where what camp he's in, and where, in other words. You know, it's, uh, I'm a new creation. I, you know, my birth started at Pentecost. And when I accepted the Holy Spirit, 
not at Pentecost, when I when he accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's boldly proclaiming who he is. Yeah. Now, yeah. in other words, he's, he's making a separation from worldly things. Mm, and I, I see that. If anybody is interested, they have an opening to pursue it, and they can ask him further questions. I, I, I kind of think that's not pushing it in anybody's face. That's what he was presented, and that's the way he thought about it, and he boldly proclaimed who he is. From that standpoint, uh, but like you said, uh, I'm quite interested in my, uh, in our history, and uh, but for different reasons, um, just I want to know the facts, just who I am. I want to know where I came from. Yeah. And it's interesting to me. Well, yeah, agreed. Well, Bill's statement, I was when we when Bill made that statement, you know, my mind jumped to something else. Uh, it it jumped because he said there's no DNA or something, and I that's what made me think. Wait a minute, there is DNA for Christ for the new creation, and the DNA is what we are studying out to find out who we are in Christ. What are the properties of? We know we go all the way back to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who we're united to. But Christ has two natures. He has the divine side and he has a human nature. And he's one person. And to be to say that we're united to him, if anybody is in Christ, he is a new creation. So we're talking about something completely unique, never before seen, but we can certainly study it out and figure out what the properties and dynamics of this new uh, entity that has been created called the church, his body, the fullness of him. So yeah, I, that's what my mind jumped to when you when you mentioned that whole thing. And uh, but I get what Fred is saying as well. Yeah, yeah, you you're saying that at least they know where you're coming from. I'll pause. You know what? We better get right into Romans then. And if you okay. and if you are not driving <laughs> and you have notes, we can go right to it. So we've been uh, studying verses 20 and 21 and just I'll we'll quick read and get to 22 where we are as well. So Romans 8 where it says, uh, we can start, we'll start at 19. He says, I can sit, uh, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. So verse 22 is where we are. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. That's what we're going to just look at where it says we know. So this is information that we know. Um, I have in your notes just a small analogy. It says I said we can see from this analogy 
what we can see from this analogy is that we should see what is happening to uh, we should see what is happening should be in the world was always meant to be temporary not permanent if we are facing a metaphor relating to pains of childbirth then we should have great expectation great expectation so to think about that wow what an analogy because when we are you know we certainly know what the pains of childbirth is all about and nobody just goes through the pains of childbirth just to be going through it there's always an expectation at the end of childbirth i mean without the knowledge that there's going to be a new life that is coming into the world why would anybody go through childbirth think about it the woman the body is stretched out of shape and it's def definitely does not look natural and, and then obviously the pain and the the trouble of what childbirth is and listen I'm talking to all men here I think and I am sure that nobody here has gone through childbirth if you were a man but if you were a woman you know exactly all the changes your body goes through in order to accommodate a growing pregnancy and a fetus and all that that baby inside of you growing and then comes the tough part and I think he's talking about the tough part here in the, the the metaphor the whole pregnancy could be tough but this part where you're about to give birth and I can tell you almost every time it happens and somebody else will have to tell me if it's not hadn't been the case but at the end there's this loud scream that just the, makes the whole room shake <laughs> and, that, and then it's over and then you hear that baby begin to cry and that new life comes and you know it, it's such a tough thing to watch after, you know the cycles of the cramps coming and you know subsiding and coming stronger and subsiding and stronger and then, but it's all worth it when you see that baby come into the world. So this is the analogy we are dealing with. But this analogy is dealing with the fact that the earth and the universe, which we can't even imagine because we have very limited insight into the universe. So what I thought about was the science of it of the universe and this is some I know this is not according to the notes this is not in the notes but we'll, we'll get to the notes but in the universe there are such a thing and this is what has bothered me a little bit there's such a thing as what they call supernovas and things like that in the, in the universe now what happens with these things is they say these stars literally can burn out or they this condition where they just go into this very bright thing and then they burn out there's things like black holes and they determine 
Now, we've never seen some of these things that they're talking about. The scientists have determined this. But then I thought, how is that if the universe was created, it's ordered, and God is in control of everything, and Jesus Christ is holding all things together? But then, as I study what this is saying, we can know that the universe is undergoing uh, deterioration. Not just the earth. But it says the universe, all creation, the what, like as this verse says, the whole creation. So even though you look up in the sky and you look at all these stars and, and you say, wow, this is an amazing thing. Well, that universe is slowly deteriorating as well. And I'm sure there's going to be signs of that decay that is happening in the universe. Just like there are signs in our bodies and and in the earth that we live on. So that's that deterioration, all of it will have to be destroyed as we know. So back to we can start the notes here. So we know that the whole creation, the entire creation, the universe, including planet Earth, when we talk about that Genesis one one, this is what the Bible says about it. We just need to know. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So the heavens here is basically saying the universe and including the earth. Now he's getting ready to talk about the earth. So what does verse 2 say? Now the earth. So that's why he's... Because within the heavens is the earth. He created the earth and the heavens at the same time. And every other planet that exists was also created all at the same time. And now the focus is going to be the earth in verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So we know that the earth was in a state or it came to be in a state of confusion and darkness and all these things that happened as a result of whatever happened on the earth. Now, God did not create the earth that way, we know. Because in Isaiah, he says he did not create it this way. So, but, so we are to know that something happened in between the time of Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. So what we know of on this earth has always been a decaying and declining creation. We never saw a perfect creation. Never. So, but what we realize is... Now, that what God did for us, it was a temporary situation. This universe, when God created it, he knew that it was going to be a temporary situation. He knew that he wanted, uh, he, he had something that he wanted out of this creation when he created all things. He knew he would have to get it through just like the plan is proceeding. So, point B, God allow the tree of knowledge of good and evil into perfect restoration. He, if God recreated the earth, he could have said, no tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's not happening. But he didn't do that. He put that tree in the middle of the garden, and that is where Satan had opportunity to tempt Adam and the woman. So, obviously... 
there's a plan afoot. That's what we ought to see from this, especially from the verse we have. The whole creation has been groaning in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. We should know from that, and the previous verse is about uh, God subjected it to frustration, uh, in hope. Right? The hope is that it will be set free, and then upon our introduction to the universe. So, so the creation, we just need to know it's glorious. The creation is big. So I'm going to turn to night, Psalm 19 and read a verse that all of you will probably just quote, at, finish it as I quote it. And this is 19.1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their, their words to the end of the world, and the heavens, and God has pitched a tent for the sun. So, listen, the creation of God is huge. That is the biggest testimony to God that there is, his creation. And what do scientists do with that? Oh, well, the creation, yeah, well... It, it evolved. The creation, yeah, the creation, there was this big bang, and then all this matter was just thrown out into the earth, and it cooled, and somehow it, these became the planets, and so I don't, however they figure it, they can't figure it, because it doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't. Their theories of evolution and how we got here can never match what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, right? Here, here's what we learn. We don't even have to be scientists. Here's, here's what it says here. By faith, this is 11.3, Hebrews 11.3. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen is not made out of what is visible so god made the earth just read that and think about what that one verse says to science it shows that the universe has a cause and that cause is god and then what we've learned is more than a cause that the universe has a purpose and that purpose is the sons of god god is calling Many sons in the glory. How, how, why? How? Through the creation of the universe. So it, it only makes sense that when we read uh, in Romans chapter 1, you, you've read these verses before, I'm sure. So we're looking at 20, Romans 1 and 20. For since the creation of the world, and this is what... God's invisible qualities. Now look, there's no way you can look at the creation that God made and somehow come to the conclusion that all of this simply came on its own. Like there's no cause, no purpose to all this. It, it is literally impossible. Although, this is what happens. 
for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. Now that is what I've just been saying. It, we could see who God is. Night after night at utter speech. Every day God is, by looking at the creation, you are able to know, not only think, but know there's a creator. Know it. And it's foolishness to say it is not. So God's saying is it's been clearly seen. It's not even hidden. It's clearly seen. Being understood from what has been made. So all we got to do is look at creation. We can know that God is real. That God is, he's evident in the world. And this verse says, so that people are without excuse. You cannot deny that there's a God. You could, but what happens? Verse 21, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God. Right? Isn't that what happens? Right? They say, oh, no, no. I can't explain this phenomenon we call creation. However... Here is my explanation of it in this theory of evolution or whatever they came up with. So for, for although they knew God, right, the, the creation is upon them. They neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and, and their foolish hearts were darkened. That's why I said it is foolish to think in those terms. So verse 22, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. So think about this. What if our scientists did not deny the existence of God? And they, instead of that, embraced God's creation and said, let's learn about God's creation. How much further would we have been down the road in terms of our technology, if we would stop resisting and accept God's creation. I think we, you know, they spend all this time trying to come up with theories that are foolish, and we accept that God is, and then we begin to honestly look into his creation. So the creation is glorious. It well, so when we talk about it deteriorating, we are only looking at a deteriorating uh, creation. But it is, and it was, according to a predetermined plan. So God knew that when he created this glorious creation and universe, not just what we see, but the whole universe, that it was according to a predetermined plan. So in our notes, we have... We, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth. And so a couple points here. Before the earth gives birth, right? Now, this is what we're looking at. And really, it's not the earth, but it's creation. So really, it's before creation gives birth, it will go through many changes. And we, we talked about the, those changes from pristine environment where God said everything that he created was good until sin was introduced into the world. And from that point on, there was a steady decline of decay because it was, like it says, subjected to 
frustration. And if we go to Hebrews, I don't have to turn to all these verses. We've already been there. It talks about this, and this is Old Testament and New Testament. The psalm is in the Old Testament. But it talks about that uh, the earth is wearing out and God is going to change it like a person changing a garment. And Isaiah 34.4 talks about the same thing. So we know, when we went through this in the previous verses, but the earth is wearing out. It is, And we can see the deterioration of the earth in our day. Just the short 60 years, and I think Fred and I were talking about this the other day. We were talking about where we grew up in Piscataway and the things that were there that are no longer there anymore. And we're just talking about our short lifespan, that we are able to see deterioration in the world. And we're not talking about the universe, which is also happening. We're just talking about what we can see on the earth. We have very limited experience, as I said, in space. Very limited. So... These changes are happening, but these changes are not going to bring us a new baby. The whole creation is groaning in pains of childbirth. What's it going to result? The changes will result in the destruction of the universe and a new heaven and a new earth. And we read that in Revelation 21, 1 and 2, where it says oh, he, will have, he will give us a new heavens. I'm going to read it, actually. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Now we're right back to Genesis. Like in the beginning, God created the universe, including earth. There it is. So a new heaven, he doesn't have to say a new earth, but he does because earth is now the focus. And it will eventually be not only the focus, but the headquarters for uh, redeemed man who is on the earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. So here we have God doing something completely new. This is what the pains of childbirth has brought forth, this new heavens and the new earth. So just as pregnancy is not depicted as an easy process, so this universe continues to suffer under the curse. And that's what, what happens uh, in point, the point D, the parallels of us. And these temporary bodies are not coincidental. Why? Because if we go back to Romans where we are, I think we can easily uh, see the parallels between what happens to us who are under the curse and what happens to the whole creation which is under the curse. 23 says, not only so. What do you mean not only so? He's saying that we are also under a curse, uh, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship. Now, that adoption to sonship is what we go back to in verse 19, where it says, For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. 
there's, there's when the children of God's going to be revealed when we get our resurrection bodies, the redemption of our bodies. So who we are now is we're sons. When we get the redemption of our bodies, when we get to that point, we'll have the fullness of what God planned for us, and it affects all things. It affects all creation. It lifts the curse of creation. The creation is going to be liberated from the bondage to decay because of us. But it's not just because of us when we say that. We must say it's because of the plan of God. God is the one who chose us in Christ before the creation of the world. And he has now linked our revelation, the revelation of the of the children of God, the sons of God, to how he will sum up all things. He will not only uh, lift the curse, but he will eventually destroy this universe, including planet Earth, and recreate it brand new. So the parallels are very, we can certainly understand, and we should, because, you know, a lot of people don't. We have to talk about the bad news. And the bad news says that not only was the whole creation cursed, but Adam was judged. Now, I didn't, I'm not making the parallel. God has just made it in verse 23. So Adam was cursed. And what happens with Adam? Dying you will die. That's what the, the, the word, the penalty for what Adam did. Dying, you will die. That's literally what it means. So how does that work? So the moment Adam ate the fruit, he became spiritually dead. Now, there's nothing in the fruit that caused Adam to be spiritually dead. The fruit was, there's nothing, no problem. The fruit was not poison. What Adam did when he ate the fruit was he violated the command of God. And what God did is pushed away from Adam at that point because God could not continue to have fellowship because Adam broke relationship with God. So God is the one who moved away from Adam. I like where if you read the Genesis story, when God says to him, who told you you were naked? <laughs> It's an interesting story. Maybe you should go back and read it every now and then. It, it does. It's enlightening. You will you will find that you miss some things that you thought you knew, and then he's like, wow, I didn't realize that was right there. But anyway, they have more significance. So we are under a curse. So just imagine as the earth and the whole world has is deteriorating, slowly getting worse and worse. So is our bodies, and, and the, we're subjected to this frustration of living in bodies that are decaying and dying. So as we live, we are marching toward the grave, aren't we? We always say things like that. Eventually, the body can get so old and so feeble, that is, if nothing else happens in, in the interim, that you will not be able to be sustained in that body anymore. It will not be habitable for you to live there. And we call that physical death. And physical death 
is inevitable for all of us. We know it. The longer we stay here, the more we know that our bodies are decaying. We realize. Now, nobody has to tell us that. That our bodies are getting older and older and older. We were just talking about retirement. And why do we need to retire? Because we, can't, we, we can realize that our bodies are not going to last forever. And our bodies are temporary. That's what we should know. And why did God give us temporary bodies? Because there's something better coming along. God is, this is a plan. This is all a predetermined plan. So the bodies we have are not permanent. They're temporary. So there, there is the link between creation, who's groaning and getting worse, and our bodies who are suffering under the, the power of sin and subject to death. Dying spiritually dead, you will die. What do you mean you will die? You will die physically. From earth, from the dust you came, from the to the dust you will return. That's what God told him. So that was the penalty. So sure enough, God reverses it. Well, when you believe in Christ, you get spiritual life, right? You're born again. That reverses spiritual death. And resurrection body. Well, the body that you get is temporary. He'll give you a permanent body. One that will last forever. Now, of course, we in the church age have a very special... Uh, what we have to look forward to is very special. Because not only do our resurrection bodies will be like Christ. We'll, we will, he will take our lowly bodies and they will be transformed into his glorious body. So the parallels there, all, you can just take your, take your time and think about that. Meditate on the fact of how not only is, are we growing less and less uh, where the body is habitable on this earth. We, we can look at the multiplication of diseases and maladies and all sorts of things that are happening. To the body that we're discovering more. The, seem like the more we go, the more we find these conditions and diseases that are happening, that are taking the body, taking people out of here. And we could talk about cancer and all these different things that have, uh, I would say, are a result of the body's deterioration in this world. So we should know we're not going to be here forever. It won't happen. And neither will the universe. But God has a plan. That's what we should know. God has a plan. So we'll talk about the, the parallels. And I keep thinking about them. But we're going to move on to point three. Right up to the present time. So we know that the whole creation has been groaning in the pains of childbirth. Right up to the present time. What do we mean by present time? I mean, Paul means the time of writing. And it was during the church age. So that's unique right up to the present time. And when we think about the church age, what we're realizing is that uh, point B, the revelation of this age reveals how creation will be changed or the curse will be lifted, eventually give birth to the destruction and the new universe. So now we understand even if the Old Testament talked about the destruction of the universe, now what we learn 
is more than that their universe is going to be destroyed. What we learn is why that happened. Because of the sons of God being revealed. All creation has been waiting up to that point. But we didn't know that that was the timing of God's destruction of the universe. It is the revelation in this age of the sons of God. So the catalyst for this is, as we said, the sons of God being revealed. And it is according to a plan. So just think about all this God knew. It's interesting when we learn things and we come to know them, what we need to know is that God already knew that. (laughs) It's not like, I've learned something, God. Let me tell you about it. God is saying, I've, I've thought about this from eternity past. And you are coming to learn it in time. This is the wisdom that God destined for our glory before time began. This is the wisdom that he's talking about. That we are supposed to have as our conversation. So, soon we will be delivered. Soon that's going to happen for us. The when, when that happens, is all up to God. It's in his hands. It's in his, under his own timing. And there is nothing we can do to speed it up or hinder God's plan. We can't stop it. We can't make it go faster. The only thing we can do is cooperate with it. And I'll just close with this verse in 2 Peter 3, which you all know as well. But in the light of what we've been discussing, here it is. 2 Peter 3, 9 through 11. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Now this is uh, where people will be mocking and saying, well, where's all this happening? This is verse 4. They will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Notice. But they, what they don't understand is that things have been happening. God destroyed the earth by water, right? And and he, he had to do that. And all of these things happened. He, the present heavens and the, and the earth, this is verse 7, are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But, and you know, the destruction of the ungodly, we know, we studied that in Revelation, and guess what we realize? That that coincides with the destruction of the universe. Remember we said that fire, at the end of the millennium, and fire came down out of heaven and destroyed them all? Well, that same fire destroyed the whole universe. That's what we learned when we went to Revelation and saw the timing of that. And so, like it says here in verse verse 8, uh, the same word, the heavens are being reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. Those things happen simultaneously. We who have resurrection bodies will see it. But do not forget this one thing, verse 8. Dear friends, with the Lord... A day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. This is where we were saying, listen, the timing factor is in God's hands. It's not in ours. The when of this, not in our hands. So stop looking at it like tapping your foot and saying, yeah, a lot of crazy things are happening in the world today, so this must be the end. 
let let God's perfect timing be the end. And we have, and here Peter says how we should respond. The Lord is not slow keeping his promise. It's, it's, he's on right on time, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. What a scripture. The heart of God. In other words, God is long-suffering. He's patient. He's not slow. <laughs> he's, he's taking his time because he knows he doesn't want anyone to perish. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord, don't worry, it will come like a thief. And the heavens will disappear with a roar. And the elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. As you look forward to the day of God and speed, it's coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt into heat. But looking, but keeping with his promise, we are looking to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So I have to quit here, but I know our time is over. Sorry about that. But we did get a couple thoughts here that I just wanted to focus our attention on verse 22. We will continue with a very interesting verse 23 next week. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father. We're glad we had this opportunity to focus our attention on your word. And we pray that we will be challenged by the things we heard. We will meditate on these things and, and that we will come away with the right perspective and understanding. So that just as, as it says here, what, ought, what kind of people ought we to be? Those who live holy and godly lives. So we pray that uh, we will be challenged by these verses and by the awesome responsibility that is ours and in being those sons of God that affects so much change in the universe. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.